Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He was hanging out with them to win them. And so he got Matthew and he got Zacchaeus. He won some tax collectors to himself. So we don't want to become like this, but we definitely want to do what Jesus did and be out there with the gospel, seeking to win them to him. Amen. But I cannot win someone to Christ if I don't acknowledge that what they're doing is wrong. If I say, well, that's okay. God, I'll accept that. How do I win you to Christ? I got to win you to the God of the Bible. And then when you come to him, he'll give you the desire and the ability to overcome whatever your sins are. Are you seeking to win people over to Jesus Christ? Today, you learn from Pastor Bill's message, the power of the gospel. God desires for no one to perish but for all to come to the saving knowledge of Him. Take the time to share with those around you in your sphere of influence the gospel message. Pastor Bill encourages you to not limit yourself who you speak to. Jesus was seen sitting with tax collectors and all sorts of society's outcasts. Let the priority of winning people to Jesus be your aim. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter one for today's edition of a transforming word. What Satan always does is taste what God did and he wants to pervert it. It's, it's a way, I believe, it's one of the ways that, that he comes against the work of God. I want to pervert the work of God. God did this beautiful thing here, so I want to encourage people to do it outside of marriage. Why? Because it's not blessed outside of marriage. Outside of marriage, we got kids without parents. We got relationship without covenant. We got all these trauma and all these problems that happen. We got it's it's. And so that's one way. Tempting people outside the covenant of marriage to partake of sexual behavior. And it brings hardship. It brings pain. It brings all these. There's all this stuff. We look at our society right now. The same people that are pushing, saying you don't have to get married. That's archaic and old. They're saying, we don't know why there's an epidemic of fatherless homes. I know why. Because people are laying up without a commitment to marriage. So women are having babies by men that have no commitment to them. And it doesn't make, it's, it's wrong on both parts. I hear a lot about the men and their deadbeats and their dogs. But unless it was rape, they're laying up with you consensually. Y'all did that. Y'all did that to these kids. I look at these kids with no dads and, and no stability. And I'm like, your parents, parents did this to them. This is not their fault, but they're now they're growing up and they're lacking something. They didn't get it. And that's jacking up society. But how do we get there? This sin, sexual sin. Now, now Satan taking a step further. Forget that. Go on and get a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And let's push that on society. Let's try to make that normal. Um, but it's not normal and it's not natural and it's not normal. What I did for my own benefit this week, because I knew I would speak on this, I interviewed uh, three different people who are active homosexuals. And my intention was to be able to share the gospel, but also uh, was to understand because and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. People say they were born this way. And so, you know, what about that? What about people that say I have no choice? I came out the womb this way. So I was in diapers. I wanted to be something else. But as I interviewed all these people and I was trying to find a few different things. One origin. Hey, where did this begin for you? And the, the three people I spoke with, um, two of the three, it was introduced through molestation. That's where perversion, that's where confusion, that's where all that stuff entered. One of the three, it was through living 
perversion, just, just living a wild, reckless sexual life. And so it was through sexual sin and lascivious behavior and pornography that it was like, I'm open to whatever. And they ended up down that road. Uh, someone that I, I actually, as a kid that I had in my youth group years ago, and this, this kid ended up being that way. And I had known his situation. I know that he had been molested by his father, so forth and so on. And I spoke with him and because he's gone full on out there in this lifestyle. And so I just wanted to talk to him and just say, like, you know, at what point, uh, obviously, he left the church and blah, blah, blah. And I just was hearing from them. But this is what it, it, it comes out to. Right. There are some people that would say, you know, I, I just have always felt different since I was born, since I was a kid. Um, and I won't argue that we're all born in sin. Right. I, some of you may have. I, I came out with my particular sins, you know, that I was. You know, you may have come out as a kid. I, I've always wanted to take things that were not mine. You can't do it, though. You can't. I mean, you, you may, that's, that's going to be the thing you got to overcome. So you may have been born in sin. I, ever since I was a kid, man, I see somebody else. I want that. And you want to steal it and take it. Well, you can't live that out. So you may have felt that way since you were a kid, but it's wrong. And we live in a society now where they don't want to tell them that that's wrong. There's no dad to say, boy, that's what girls do. Don't do that. You know, I mean, that's this is basic things, you know, then we they're bringing confusion on our kids in the public school. So when I was a kid, if a girl was a Tom girl, she was a tomboy. Um, my sister was a tomboy because the, 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 the child nearest to her was a boy and all my friends outside were boys. So she was a tomboy. That make her gay. Um, just when she was a kid, she was a tomboy. She fought like the boys, played sports like the boys, but then she got to high school and became a woman. And then that's it. That, there was no confusion about that. But today they would take her and say, maybe you like girls. No, she don't. She liked playing with boys and beating up boys until she got a little older and, 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 and things happened and she changed and then she went on and did what girls do. Um, but today they want to just push that agenda on our kids. Y'all got to be careful. The school system is deciding at what age your kids should begin to hear. They're deciding. They're saying, you know, I think at second grade, third grade, we should begin to introduce this to your kids. When they don't have to tell you, the state's okay with it. And they're just talking to kids about things. They're deciding when your kids should hear about sexual education. They get to tell them first. And they get to tell them that real confusing version of it as well. So we have to, as parents, we got to teach our kids. We got to teach them earlier now. Um, because we live in a very fallen world. But how does this come up? Romans is telling me on the way down the spiral where I suppress the truth of God and my unrighteous behavior, where I know God, but I don't glorify him as God. And I'm not thankful to him as God, where I just go down. I worship and serve the creation rather than the creator. And then God gave them over to regular sexual sin. And now the spiral's going down. And now God's giving up to vile, gross, nasty passions. And you got homosexuality, got men with men and women with women. I'm reading this and God has said, this is on the way down. So when I see somebody and this is like, well, it, it, this is this is on the way down the slope. So where did it begin? I, I can't begin. This is where the church is blowing it on this issue. There's two spectrums and it's, both sides are wrong. There's one pendulum that swings over here where you got the guys outside with signs saying God hates fags. That's wrong. That's not the heart of God. That doesn't represent Jesus to them. That 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 is repulsive and it wouldn't it, it, that's not God's heart. So when I see that, I think, man, that's wrong. And I see people marching and I'm like, what what make? Why are they misrepresenting Jesus like that? That's this side of it. Then we swing the pendulum way over here. We got the Methodist Church who what they've done is said and not just the Methodist Church. Now, there are many groups that have said 
We believe that it's okay now with the Lord. And we're going to raise up ministers that are gay. Um, we're going to perform gay marriages. And we're going to, and they kind of go this route. You know, it's all about love. You know, we just believe the Lord loves everybody and that everybody gets, they have a right to choose who they love. And it's not our place. It's their decision. Yada, yada, yada. And that's the other side of the pendulum where I believe God is right here in the middle where God says, look, um, I have created you with desire for intimacy and love and relationship and all that. And I've given the rules for how it's to be done. And so if, if you're expressing it in this way over here, homosexual, it's a sin. It's a sin. Does God love them? Yes, he loves them. Would he forgive them? Absolutely, he would forgive them. Can they be changed? Absolutely, they can be changed. But I'm wrong if I lead them to believe that God will accept them just like that. Because he won't. I wouldn't tell someone living in regular sexual sin that God's going to accept that. He ain't accepting that. You're going to have to repent. If, if you believe the gospel, you're going to have to repent of that behavior. God ain't accepting that. And I'm wrong if I lead them to believe, which, which is the softer churches over here. They sound real loving right now. But when those people die and stand before God, it ain't gonna, they're, not, they're gonna at that point, when it's too late, they'll know that they weren't really loved. They were led to hell by churches, by Christians, people that just didn't want to take a stand. I don't make the Bible up. The Bible, I got to preach it as it says it. I don't get to tell. I don't get to create this book. I don't I don't get a certain joy out of saying that's a sin. You can't do that because it's right for me, too. There's no joy, it's just, but it's what it says. So I believe it and I preach it and I'm instructing people and warning people that you really don't get to make this. You don't get to change this because the world is going in another direction or you feel different about it. So what do we do right here? It says that well, at the very end, I'll, I'll, I'll go to that. But. They're given over here to vile passions. And again, homosexuality is down this downward spiral. I do believe the church has a responsibility to reach out to them that we wouldn't be. You know, I, I, I know at times uh, I struggle with, you know, just I'd be grossed out by it personally, you know, and I'd see somebody and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk. You know, I, I don't you know, it's almost like like I'm careful how I deal with women. I don't want to ever mislead a woman into thinking I'm flirting with her. I'm interested. So I'm loving, but I'm careful. You know, I'm not going to be all in your eyeballs and I'm not going to be caressing no woman or nothing like that. I'm like, how you doing? God bless you. Love you. Hi. Poo. Over here. On to the next. You know, that's how I do. I want to love on people, but I don't want to create no confusion. So when I'm dealing with a guy and it's obviously he's gay, it's like, say, I'm off. I'll be nice. I mess around and the do things like, oh, <laughs> it's not like that. I mean, you know, so that's what I struggle with. But. I was at a Starbucks one day and I know all the people that work there and then one guy there is that way and I talk to everybody there and then when he comes I just like I just order my coffee I don't even look at him in his face and I felt like the Holy Spirit checked me like you need you love on everybody else everybody else you friendly hey what's up hey hey that guy comes you're like hey grande black guy you know what I'm saying <laughs> in my dream let me get on out the door and I felt like God was saying man you should you know you at least need to be cordial you a witness for me you don't get to represent how you feel about this sin. You, you got to represent me to him. Um, and so I've changed in that regard where, you know, I do want to represent the Lord. I do want to share his heart and I do look for opportunities to be able to share the gospel. So at least for those that have engaged the church where people have been wrong in how they came at them, I at least want to be able to say, hey, let me give you the balance view. At the end of the day, what you're doing is wrong. And yes, if you die like that, you will go to hell. And I would be unloving if I didn't tell you. I'm loving you by telling you this. 
Let me tell you the way out. And I love to give them 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, where God lists a list of sins, home, you know, fornication, uh, sodomy, and so forth and so on. He says, and such were some of you, but you were sanctified and justified. You were forgiven by the Lord. So I tell them that this week we had a Bible club at Inglewood High and it was a we had two weeks of Q&A. So one, three uh, questions in the Q&A all regarding homosexuality. You know, if I'm am I homosexual, will I really go to hell? If I'm part gay, you know, when I, you know, there was all these questions about homosexuality. And so I was like, man, I, I felt so set up. And a group of them came in, um, two kids that were obviously dressed as another gender. And there was a group of them. And so I just did my best to say what the Bible says. So I'm like, yes, if you are homosexual, you go to hell. As along with this and that and this and that and the other sins. And I walked through why and where it came from and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I gave them this first Corinthians six. I said, but look, in Corinthians, the people were in all kind of sexual immorality and sin. But then they got saved and God changed them and he forgave them and he watched them. And that's what he wants to do. He doesn't hate them. He wanted to forgive them. He wanted to cleanse them, so forth and so on. And so they came up afterwards to talk. And one of them girls in the group end up being a pastor's kid. And so I'm just like and she said this is what she told me. She said, the way that I've heard it shared at our church was so harsh that I felt like I needed to reach out to them and befriend them. She's like, the way you shared it, I agree. Um, she said, but the way I was hearing it was like, like just they're going to hell, let them go to hell. Like they should go to hell. Like, like it's a good thing that they're going to hell. And there was nothing that God could do for them. They were just done. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. I mean, they were, these are your friends and you really love them, then you need to be encouraging them. They need to repent of that or they will go to hell. But God loves them. The God has a plan for them. God would forgive them. He would watch them. They could be used by God before this thing is done. And she said, well, I've never heard that side of it, that it could be turned around. Yes, anybody could turn around. I turned around from this sin, you know, and we went on down the line or whatever. So we want to be faithful to minister. There's a movie coming out. Uh, it'll be out June 24th. Uh, Ray Comfort did a film called Audacity. He let a group of pastors preview it. Um, it's very, very, very well done. And the goal of this movie is it's a film to uh, if you got friends or family that are in the homosexual lifestyle. It's for them to watch. Um, they're going to hear the gospel throughout it. They're going to hear God's heart through it. It's also to be a tool for the church. Uh, that people in the church would understand how to minister in that way. That's the whole goal of the film. So you'll be able to download it. It's called Audacity. So if you go online, look it up. There's a trailer to it. But um, if, if you want further help ministering to people in, in that lifestyle, that would be helpful. Verse 25 now. I'm sorry, verse um, 28. I'm sorry. And it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, um, and just think about that. They, they, they didn't want to keep God in their mind. They want to like block him out. And that's what we want in our society. That's not what we want, but that's what people want. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. It said now third time, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. A debased mind, old King James said reprobate. Debased, it means this, you guys. It means that God's no longer coming to help them. God's no longer going after them. God's no longer pursuing them. Anybody here that say the Bible says that, you know, you didn't choose me, but I what? I chose you. God came after you. Um, the Bible says no one can come to the father unless what? No one can come to Jesus unless the father does what? He draws them. There's a there's a place that you can come to where you've rejected the Lord so consistently and so firmly where God says, I'm not drawing you no more. You can keep it. You want that life. You get to have it all the way to hell. That is what a, a, a debased mind or a reprobate mind is where God says, 
I'm no longer actively at work drawing and pursuing you. Well, we don't want that. Why we want to be sensitive to the spirit. That's why we want to yield. That's why we want to repent quickly. That's why when the word says, you know, in in the day that you hear the Lord calling you, that don't harden your heart. Um, You come when he calls you. Um, And so these are people who they've resisted, resisted. They've quenched. They've. They've, they've not retained God in their knowledge. They've suppressed the truth of them right. And God says, have you pushed me away for so long? There's eventually God says, okay, okay, okay. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make you. God's not a rapist. He's a gentleman. He knocks on the door of hearts. He draws. He, he, he woos us. He calls us. But everybody gets to make a choice. God's not going to make you be in relationship with him. And so in this series here where God gave them up, he gave them up, and now he gave them over. They basically get to keep what they have. We don't know where that point is. And so that's why you don't play with God. That's why you don't play church. That's why you don't come and listen and don't respond. Don't yield. If the spirit of God convicts you, you don't win. If you walk out without changing, it's not a win. It's actually a loss for you. It's another loss. And there's a point at which you can lose ultimately. Right. There's you get to reject and resist and reject and resist. And at a point, God says, OK, you got it. You don't you, you don't want me. I submit to your, this is what you want. Everybody's been given free will. But I read that, and that's a very scary thing that God would say, okay, you get to keep what you got. So how do you make sure that you don't end up there? You yield. You, 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 when the spirit convicts, you respond. If God's drawing you, you come. If God's checking you about something, you say, yes, Lord. Um, but you don't, you don't walk in consistent, habitual rebellion against the Lord. We don't make okay what God has called sin. We don't make new rules. We, we glorify him as God. And like I told you guys, part of glorifying him as God is saying, look, since I'm acknowledging you as God, I'm acknowledging that you know better than me. So no matter what I feel or what I think, if you said no, then it's no. If you said it's not what you want, then it's not what you want. And I yield to you. And so moving on this last phrase, the last part here, we're going to look at. Now there's a whole list of immorality that the people are given over to as they, as they were given over. This is what they ended up doing. It says, as God gave them over to a debased mind, verse 28, to do those things which are not fitting. And then it says being filled with. I just wanted to point out that they could have been filled with the spirit. They could have been filled with his peace. They could have been filled with his joy. But instead, look at what they're filled with. All unrighteousness, sexual morality, um, and some of these things are self-explanatory. Some of them I'll give a little something to. Sexual immorality, just fornication, adultery, illicit, illicit sex, wickedness, this is active evilness, covetousness, greed, the incessant desire to get more. Maliciousness is the desire to harm others. It's a venomous hatred. It says they're full of envy. Uh, this is being jealous of others. Murder. Uh, this is premeditated, unlawful killing of another uh, of another person in anger or as you commit a crime, um, strife, wrong, uh, wrongly arguing or quarreling with other people, uh, people that just argue and go all the time, deceit, treachery, trickery, evil mindedness, just having ill will, spite, his hostility towards others, whisperers, secret slanderers, it's people that whisper and talk behind people's back, backbiters. Uh, open slanderers talking about people behind their backs, um, haters of God, violent um, boasters, inventors of evil things. I thought that was interesting that, that now it's not enough that you're doing evil. They're inventing new evil things to do. Um, disobedient to parents. I, every, every kid here need to hear that. 
That's, that's on the list of all unrighteous. They just living disobedient to parents is a sign of unbelief and of being in a bad place with the Lord. Uh, disobedient to parents, undiscerning. Um, this is what ends up happening. They become undiscerning. Remember he says because they, they, they thought they were becoming wise or professing to be wise, they became fools. Now they're undiscerning, not able to discern. They're, not able, they're lacking moral and spiritual discernment. They're without conscience, these people. Um, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Um, all these are where they end up at. Verse 32, last verse. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do them, but approve of those who practice them. And so here it says, not only, you know, as they were given over, these are all the things that they became, that they became fluid and that they began to do. And it says that even knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. They know this. So these aren't people that don't know God, don't know his word, don't know his rule. They know that people that do these things are deserving of death. And knowing that, they not only do them, but they approve of others who practice it. And so that's where I believe the church is really messed up when we begin to approve sins um, so that people will come, so that people won't feel bad. I'll never do it. I'd, I, I would never do it. I'd feel like I was a, a sellout pastor if I start approving certain sins so people's feelings won't get hurt. I'm not looking to hurt people's feelings, but I didn't make this thing up either. So God says, look, they, they start approving behaviors. And we watched, for those that came to the witnessing class yesterday, we watched a video where a guy was witnessing to a man that was a transgender man. And as the guy was witnessing to him at the beach and sharing the gospel, the reason this guy said he felt like he was okay is because he had found a church that accepted him as he was and others just like him as they were. And because the church had accepted him, he felt like God had accepted him. But that church lied to him. And if that guy dies like that, that that I mean, I look that's blood on the hands of that church that they made him feel okay in that behavior. So these people are doing it and approving of others that are doing the same. We shouldn't be doing any of this mess, and we don't want to be approving of it either as though it's not sin. Amen? So this is a summary. This is what we want to, what we want to walk away with from the chapter. Obviously, sin is a very slippery slope, and when people won't glorify God as God, when they won't submit to him as God, when they won't worship him as God, this is where we end up, down somewhere down this spiral, getting worse and worse and worse. People giving over, giving over. God says, I gave them over three different times. And so we want to be people, you guys, that glorify God for who he is. Uh, we want to look at creation and worship the creator of the created things. We want to glorify him as God by submitting and yielding to him. And as I'm aware of the things that are sinful and are wrong, I want to have a right heart in reaching out. I'm not going to say something's not a sin that's a sin, but I'm going to reach out to people that are in trouble. Because one thing Jesus did do when he was on the earth is he went to those that seemed to be in the worst predicaments. In Jesus' day, the worst thing you could be was a tax collector, a publican. They hated him because they were ripping them off. And they would see Jesus out eating with them. And they were like, what's he doing eating with tax collectors and publicans? And it, that was their biggest gripe against Jesus that he was there. But he was winning them. He wasn't hanging out with them to become like them. He was hanging out with them to win them. And so he got Matthew and he got Zacchaeus. And he won some tax collectors to himself. So we don't want to become like this, but we definitely want to do what Jesus did and be out there with the gospel, seeking to win them to him. Amen.
But I cannot win someone to Christ if I don't acknowledge that what they're doing is wrong. If I say, well, that's okay. God will, God will accept that. How do I win you to Christ? I got to win you to the God of the Bible. And then when you come to him, he'll give you the desire and the ability to overcome whatever your sins are. It could be a number of things. Romans 5, 3-5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a transforming word.